Listening Dog Media. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. The Offside Rule with Lindsay Heeper and Natasha Dowie, promoting women's football since 2013. Every Friday, we bring you the Offside Rule mailbag. We answer some of your questions, let you air some of your opinions, anything from the women's football landscape. Natasha Dowie is alongside me. Tash, great to have you with me. And I know that you love answering these questions. It puts you a little on the spot sometimes. So by all means... If you hear a question, you think, I want to come back and readdress that again, um, I should give you that option. I haven't given it you yet, but I'm giving it you today, okay? Uh, we've had quite a few coming in. Um, a reminder to everyone that you can leave your comments um, using at OffsideRulePod on socials. We're on TikTok, Instagram, and on X. What we'll do is we'll find your comments, ask you to leave us a voice note, and then include you in one of the future shows. Um, whilst you're there as well, if you wouldn't mind giving us a five-star review and leaving a comment about the show, if you're enjoying it, it will help other people find us. So on to the first voice note that we've received. Hi, I'm Graham from Bournemouth. It's great to hear the pod go to other places outside the WSL. And on that point, a lot of transfers, speculation and actual moves to that level seem to be from overseas. Now, I'm a big fan of the FA Women's National League, and I see that there must be talented players at tier three and four who have slipped through the net for whatever reason. My question really is that do WSL and championship sides look down those tiers? I mean, if you look at the men's game, there are lots of smaller clubs that survive financially, nurturing talent and selling players up the leagues. Now, the finances are different, obviously, in the women's game, but do the bigger clubs pay much attention down through the lower tiers? And to follow that up, Natasha, are there any players that you could bring to our attention in future pods in your scouting reports? Thanks. Bye. Right, I'll jump straight in because I think this is fascinating, actually. You think of the men's game. We think of Jamie Vardy rising through the leagues, Charlie Austin, Ricky Lambert, who used to work with beetroot or something, I remember vaguely from my recollections. But there's so many players in the men's game that have made that that 
journey through the tiers. They've gone from one to another to another. We've got it in with Luton Town in the Premier League at the moment. And we've got players that have gone all the way through their journey. But you don't hear about that as much in the women's game. You hear about academy players that have been with an academy and come through to the first team. But you don't see that that league and that tier um, climbing as much. I wonder why you think that is. Yeah, no, I think it's a great question, Graham. to be honest. Um, I think... Going back to the question, do WSL teams look at it? In my opinion, no. I think they look internationally more, the WSL teams, at the international superstars. I think, not sadly, but I think the way the women's football goes is WSL, you get your international superstars in, or like you've just said, Lindsay, your academy players that have made it into the first team. And then slowly then, maybe if they're not making first team appearances, they drop down to get more game time in championship football. Potentially, actually, if they're not maybe of that level or, you know, they have other commitments, then it tends to be your tier threes that I'm working with at the moment where they have full time jobs, but they still love to play. I haven't heard and I would love to hear if someone does know of a story of maybe someone that has been playing tier three, tier four, has been scouted and then and then made the move to a championship or WSL team um i think maybe championship teams are looking more now at the tier three setup especially when you look at the strong teams in there your newcastles who are dominating right now and and who will be getting promoted you know they they haven't got as big a budget as well in the championship so i know full well that there's definitely players good enough in tier three to be playing in the championship you know uh, graham was asking is there anyone in particular and i was speaking to the feds manager today um leanne duffy and i said look I know there's plenty in the feds, but I'm not putting any feds names out there because I don't want them getting <laughs> taken away from my team. So I said to her, give me someone else because I can't have us losing players. So she actually said one to watch is Luani Worsi. So she's on loan from Birmingham to okay. Forest. She's 19, a midfield player, Lindsay. <laughs> oh, gosh, um, under 19s England, yeah, un- under 19s England player. We're so she's in definitely one to look this at. Series. Okay. We are yeah. honestly Luani Worsi, but it is it's a it is a great question, and I just think maybe it's the the kind of way that the women's game is with regards to you know you don't really have a, a huge pool or the academy wise the setup's still a bit uncertain with you know, kind of like the the, pay, the steps to go up, it tends to be more a case of you're in Liverpool, you're in United, you're in the kind of 18s, 21s and you go first team. And then if you don't make it, that's then kind of what's the pyramid is used for then is to allow them to have game time. It doesn't tend to be the case of the pyramid is to allow people to make that step. But I would love to see that. I think that, that I would love to see that change. Is this as well? Because in the setup at women's clubs it is easier to go direct to agent, which is then taking you abroad, than to invest in your own scouting team that could go below and look at other leagues and develop those players coming through. Lindsay, that's a great point. And actually speaking to Becky, my partner, she said exactly that. She said, firstly, these tier three, tier four players don't have agents, so they can't get represented. They can't get, you know, promoted. Um, and like you said then, that the agents that are representing the players tends to be the superstars, the internationals, you know. So it's kind of... And then there isn't scouts out there. You know, there isn't a big enough scouting pool to have people going to watch the tier three, tier four 
um, leagues play. So, yeah, I think that's definitely in an area that women's football needs to focus on because I'm sure there is so much talent that we are missing out on and would probably then save clubs a lot of money as well. Wow, it's given us food for thought. You've just retired. There's a gap in the market. Dragon's Den, I've been watching way too much. (laughs) We should set, (laughs) set up a scouting group. Um, to help teams in the championship and in WSL to find those diamonds in the rough. Um, yes. Okay, so Luani Versi um, is who you mentioned. Uh, let's go on to our next question. Um, and this one, there's so many areas we could go down. We might have to revisit it. Hi, Offside Rule Pod gang. Um, it's Emma here from West London. My question is, uh, I was hoping you guys could talk a little bit about some of the the women's teams that we've seen that were at the top of the game um, previous years and and have kind of fallen away. Uh, obviously, the WSL has grown massively in the last few years, women's football and the interest in women's football has grown massively in the last few years. And it feels like there's a real sort of established set of teams that we expect to see um, in the WSL and, and, and in and around the championship now. Um, but for those of us that were maybe uh, following women's football, from from slightly longer um there's some there's some big names that were around um that were really at the top of of the women's game that are kind of no longer there doncaster bells and and teams such as that and i just wondered if you could chat a little bit about who those teams were um and and why they fell away and how we can make sure that uh you know that doesn't happen with other teams moving forward as as the wsl and, and women's football grows so rapidly I think it's, it's sad, isn't it, Lindsay, when when you think of, you know, Doncaster Bells, Leeds, Leeds Carnegie, Notts County, Lincoln Ladies. They're the kind of four teams that pop into my head straight away that I played against for many, many years, had massive battles. Doncaster Bells in particular were the team, weren't they, back in the day? They were like your Chelsea of nowadays, dominated women's football. Leeds Carnegie, straight away, I think of the likes of your Ellen White, your Carly Telford. You know, they're such a strong team. They, they beat us, Everton, in the League Cup. Um, so really strong team. Lincoln, you like your Casey Stoney, yes. you know, your Smith. Rachel Williams were there. Notts mm. County, Sue Smith. Yeah, so many international players playing for these teams. And you look when you look at Donny and Leeds in particular... They were more financial, wasn't it? They were self-funding. It wasn't really sustainable at that level. So I think that's why they ended up falling away. I think Notts County and Lincoln were more to do with the men's team pulling the plug, which is really sad, you know, and it happened, not not happened similarly to me at Reading a couple of, like a couple of years ago when we got relegated, but, you know, they did then have to go semi-pro because, you know, the men were affected, the women were affected. And, and for a team that had been in the top division for eight years to, you know, all of a sudden go semi-pro, people have lost their jobs. It's still happening in the game. It happened to me when I was at Charlton as well, when when we made the cup final, the FA Cup final against Arsenal. We were second in the league. Um, the men's team got um, relegated from the Premier League and there was a real uncertainty about what was going to happen at Charlton. And I remember Keith Bonas ringing us all saying, you have to find a new club. And that's why then I made the move to Everton. So it's just sad. But on the flip side to that, How do we stop it happening? I do believe now, and tell me if I'm wrong, Lindsay, that all WSL clubs are backed, obviously backed at different levels, but they are all backed by their men's team. And even in the championship, I think there's only Lewis and Durham that aren't supported. So I do think the support is better. Tell me if I'm wrong or or right. Well, I agree to an extent, but Reading's a great example, actually, of why... 
it's not fully protected because yes, they've gone semi-pro, but as as I understand it, I think that could then mean that the next step would be that they go completely amateur again if they wanted. So it's just a longer process to get out of it. But there are stringent processes that the FA put in place to be able to become a certain tier club. So that that applies for the championship. It applies for the WSL. There are currently teams in the championship that wouldn't qualify to be a WSL team. So these are massive problems because how about if that team went on a huge run, got promoted and was deserving of being in that league? They would have to invest incredible amounts of money to make sure that they had the right facilities the right playing surfaces and pitches and there's so much that goes into it I'd be here all day but there is there is definite criteria that has to be met so from what you're saying about the men's backing it's difficult to say because I think the bigger the club the the more secure it is but your your case I keep coming back to Reading is one where I would think eventually could we see that team if it wasn't managed correctly could we see it fall away and I think we possibly could I also think we should mention the handling of these situations of all the ones that you mentioned I I know all of those cases and I thought Notts County was one that was handled particularly badly I mean they didn't even tell the players Laura Bassett was there at the time wasn't she as well Carly Telford they hadn't even told the players they went in and they weren't even aware of what was going on and this is players' futures. These were lionesses. These were people that had successful careers. So can you imagine how they would treat players that hadn't hit those heights? I I just think that the handling, there needed to be legislation about that as well and how much notice. If you, if you have a job in any other realm of society, you have to be given notice. And that didn't even apply. So I think people need to remember these stories. And I did also want to mention the North East. Um, I know that you went through your four teams, but Sunderland haven't faded away completely, but I think we should mention them as they were the one. They, they they possibly at one time were the team. You know, they produced so much talent and now everyone's talking about Newcastle United. But how about Sunderland? Because they started it all off. They were the ones that really did invest and coach and bring through a lot of lionesses in the past. Imagine Sunderland. Imagine Sunderland starting 11 if they had all the players oh. that have come through Sunderland. Yeah. <laughs> We've got Steph Orton in the Jill WSL Scott, right Ellen now. White. We've got Lo- Lucy Staniforth. There's so God. many. Jordan yes. Knox. Yeah. yeah. So Crazy. Um, the, the landscape, the way that it changes is quite concerning, actually. And we want it to be more secure. We want it to be stable. But really, really good question. And maybe, maybe something we can come back to at a later date, because there are probably more cast iron cases and more examples and more ways that we can delve deeper into that. So if people want to also get in touch with their comments off the back of that one, by all means, send them in to us at Offside Rule Pod. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Offside Rule Mailbag. Here is number three. Hi, my name's Oliver. I'm a huge fan of Nottingham Forest women. And I would like to ask a question about growing audiences in the women's game. Do you find that playing at locations quite far away from either the club cities or their quote-unquote men's grounds, the main grounds, has an impact on the team's ability to grow an audience. I say this because Nottingham Forest play in a town called Langeaton, which is quite a distance from the city ground where the men's team play, and Leicester City is another example, often playing Burton, which is even further away from Leicester. And conversely, do you also think that Gerald's have an opinion on playing periodic matches at those men's first-team stadiums. It sometimes feels to me like there's a lot of pressure on the teams to put on a good show in front of casuals who may or may not come back to the regular grounds. And that seems to me that it puts on quite a bit of pressure on the teams to get a win when it's often the most challenging games that are played there to attract the fan base in the first place. Thanks, Oliver. Another big one to digest. Wow. Um... I mean, not not just those examples that you gave. I'm thinking of Man United playing at Lee Sports Village as well. And there's so many, aren't there? Um, first yeah. of all, should we tackle that? Should we tackle yeah. where the team's playing in comparison to where the home is, is seen to be for the football club and for the men's teams? Yeah, well, I think I can definitely dive into Liverpool. Yeah, I think Liverpool's a great example. Playing at Prenton. Over the water, you have to pay the toll fine. Uh, not the toll fine, but you know, your two pound there and back, you know. Have you and paid then, a toll like, fine before? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pay your two pound there and back, which, yeah. you know, these things, you know, it's not in the city, you know, and I know the fans don't like that. I know the fans complain, you know, and when I look at the numbers that we get at Prenton, you know, we have, in my opinion, some of the best fans in the world that follow us all around the world. But you're talking maybe 2,000, 3,000 fans that we get at, at Prenton, you know, whereas when we played the Derby at Goodison or at Anfield, you know, you're getting 25,000, 30,000. So um, I do feel like Liverpool and Everton suffer because of that massively. Um so I can only say regarding that. And then if you look then when we have played at Anfield, we haven't won a game. We haven't won a game at Anfield. And I think that probably is because of the added pressure of it being at Anfield. I, I don't know. You'd have to ask the questions. I, I had the opportunity to play there once. I scored at Anfield. We lost 2-1 against Arsenal. But yeah, I maybe felt a, a slight pressure. You know, it's an honour to play at Anfield. You're in the, you're in the, you know, the old changing rooms that you know legends have been in you know it is a bigger crowd which used to excite me but there is that added pressure probably the history the players know about always losing to Everton at Anfield then even adds that pressure even more the derby in itself is a massive pressure game that someone wants to win for the pride of the city 
So I think Liverpool's a classic example of that. They've, they have probably struggled a little bit with those one-off games at Anfield. And I do think our fans would be bigger if we were playing in the city of Liverpool because of how big football is in this city. I find it difficult to understand why there isn't just more of a system around the men's team being at home and then the women's team being at home. Because we know it's home and away. There are times when the stadiums are empty. And I don't know why it's just not in the infrastructure rather than taking the fans out and away from the club that that you're wanting to create this whole fan base. And that there are a few examples where um, I think, you know, King's Meadow, Meadow Park, they've, they've been really buoyant. They're, and the, what Man City have done as well by having their own stadium right next door. I mean, if, if you were in the, um, had the ability and the finances to be able to do that and the land, then obviously that would be ideal, I think. Um, because it is going to have to grow and not everyone's going to get the sort of numbers that Arsenal have been getting lately. But I remember when I went to Reading, because you had the select car leasing stadium, you were one of the only teams that really did that. And was there any difference between having a, let's say nearly empty, but, you know, quite sparse crowd there that to then going and travelling another 30 miles to have a sparse crowd somewhere else? I, I yeah, don't really know no, what the benefits no. are. I think as a player, you want to be playing in the best stadiums on the best pitches. And, and I think that Anfield is obviously a better stadium pitch than Prenton. Um, and I think you're spot on. And right now there are rumours um, that Liverpool women are trying to find a new stadium. And I think Anfield was linked, but also potentially building their own one. But I think it's going to be something that we're seeing more and more. And to be honest, Lindsay, as well, a big problem I feel is... We talk about the men's game, but it's actually the clashing of fixtures. You know, I think that's really holding back the women's game, sometimes getting the support it needs. Because especially this season in particular, the men and women's games have always been on the same day, same time. You know, and there's been times with my ambassador role that I have to be at Anfield, obviously, with my commitments to my role. But I'd love to go and watch the women play at Prenton, but they're playing at the same time on the same day. So it's it's not possible. So I think that's something as well that, that needs to be looked at because I know for a fact there's fans that want to watch both um, but then are kind of getting torn between the two and that shouldn't be the case. No but my word of warning to anyone as well building a stadium specifically for the women's game is just think about it before you start going down that route. The the game is growing at an exponential rate (laughs) if I've said that word right exponential. Um, It is growing hugely and I know that it's way off for some teams, but I think we could be in a situation where a 10,000 seat is getting full and then you need a 15 and then you need a 20. Uh, What do you build? If you're building something right now, if you're starting over, I think for Man City, they could very quickly outgrow the stadium that they have bespoke, which is also the Academy Stadium. So what do they do next? Do they immediately move over to the Etihad? it's fascinating where it goes next but I think for any teams if Liverpool are looking at land what do you build do you build a 20,000 what would you build if you were in charge great question yeah no it is it's a great I don't think I don't think they should build the stadium I think they should play at Anfield and I've said that to Liverpool when I spoke to them I I think the women now should be moving and playing at Anfield Um, so yeah I guess we'll see watch this space but I think it's something that will be you know, kind of made known to public, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Time for one last one. Hello, Tash, Lindsay. It's Nick from the Water Women podcast. And it's the offside rule pod derby. It's Liverpool Feds away to Wolverhampton Wanderers. Who's going to win? That's why I've got my Wolves colours on. <laughs> 
I was so excited when I got this message. And to be honest, my head's been all over the place. I didn't even realize, Lindsay, but wow, game on. And I was talking to Leanne Duffy last night and I was like, this is, you know, this is going to be being spoken about on the pod. You better be playing your hardest heart out. I cannot be losing to Lindsay. You know, I, I know a few things which I'm not going to tell you, but I said to her, pressure is on. Um, but all I can say is when I was looking into this, this is going to be a good game, Linz, because if you look at where they are right now, like Wolves have obviously had their FA Cup com- commitments, haven't they, yeah, with yeah. the Brighton games. And so they're, they've actually, I think it's three games behind the Fed. So they have nine points available to play for, but they are five points behind the Feds, but that could easily be made up with the games in hand. So it's sixth versus fourth. The big thing that concerns me a little bit when I look at the two teams is that Wolves have only conceded 13 goals this season. Feds have conceded 27. So that's pretty much double. So to me, that's a bit of a concern. Defensively, you look a lot stronger. But we've scored similar goals. You scored 21, we've scored 25. And I know for a fact our forward line is our biggest threat. That's our strength. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see how we go against you lot thing that I'm quite excited about, we had a good result uh, last week against Forest at home, 1-1. They're second in the league, so that was a massive result for us. You've lost your last two games, and I do know it's against Brighton and you played Newcastle. You lost 3-0, so that's two tough games. But confidence-wise... Are, are you a little bit low? I'm hoping so. No, this is the one where <laughs> this is the one where we're looking for a reaction. That's what that's what it is. But no, I need to give my ones to watch anyway. You can give your ones to watch. When I was looking through your team though, Destiny Toussaint, or oh, Toussaint, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Forward, Rachel Unit's partner. I, I didn't know you had her there. 35 year old, you know, lots of experience. I played against her many a times. But for the feds, a few to keep an eye on in particular. Uh, Bethany Donahue, she's a forward for us, used to be involved with the Liverpool Academy. She's 29, really strong centre forward, has an eye for goal, scored last week against Forest. I've spoken about Alicia Collins in the past. She's 18, absolutely rapid. If you lot can handle her pace, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> so I'm thinking she could be our real outlet against you lot because I, the, she's got pace to burn. Two more for you. Um, I've got Chantelle Thompson. I've got to give her a shout out because she's been at Feds since she was basically born. She's got 406 appearances for the Fed. She's the midfield player. She's the captain. You know, she's basically Feds through and through. Really technically gifted player. And then Emma Johnson, so versatile, 24 years old, ex player at Everton she can play anywhere she's played in defense fullback center half midfield she's one of those players that Leanne Duffy said if she could have 11 of Emma Johnson she would so you know we've got some really strong players I'm really excited to see how this one's going to pan out off the back of the Black Country Derby it would be remiss of me not to mention Beck Thomas, our goalkeeper. So you've already said about the the lack of conceding for Wolves. So it's been mm. really good, that record. Um, Beck Thomas at the back very much would say that she's, um, she's going to be difficult to beat. Um, Beth Merrick, I mean, she scored the only goal in that game against Brighton, but she's been scoring goals for fun. I think those are the two main um, two main people I would mention. I've got to mention as well the manager, Dan McNamara, um, because he he's fantastic. He's such a good talker, really good one on one with the players. And I think sometimes at the, that level, you want some of that stability with the coach. So I think the coach is brilliant. I think he'll guide them well. 
Um, and then some other younger players. We've got Amber Hughes, who came on in the second half of the Black Country Derby, a young player. So she's one to watch as well um, that I'll mention. But yeah, I, ju- I just think that we're going to win this. I really do. So what's the forfeit then? Like there's got to be oh. some sort of prize. So is it like coffee on whoever? Yeah. Coffee's on whoever loses? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I like my deal. coffee, so that's fine. That's deal. Chai latte for me, thank you. Okay. I get a, a single shot flat white for me. <laughs> and of course, a shout out for the Wolves Women Football Podcast for Nick as well. Um, if you're listening here, you can get more details on who to watch out for, Tash, with him. Uh, Nick, thank you very much for posing that question as well. Um, that's it for this week. We'll have another mailbag next week. We'll have the main show as well on Tuesday. Um, we're we're going week by week, but they're, they're steamrolling through, aren't they? We're in March already next week. No, it's been great. It's, do you know what? it's just great to talk about so many different subjects that not necessarily you've forgotten about, but maybe you have, and it's nice to kind of freshen up and sometimes you can be so fixated with the WSL and England. So I'm really enjoying like, you know, kind of learning more and yeah, getting to reminisce, I guess, in the good yeah. old days. Well, we hope you're enjoying the show as well. If there's anything you hear and you want to comment on further, you want to ask us something, please do at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter. I keep saying Twitter, but it's X now, isn't it? Instagram and TikTok, we're on there. But also leave us a review if you don't mind. It will help other people find us. We'll see you next week. The Offside Rule Mailbag. Send us your questions on social media. We're at Offside Rule Pod. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.